because without this the dark knight would not be as good it is because it's all over that and yeah i actually watched it the end of last year and i was a bit like i kind of didn't really gel with it and then when you picked it again it's like shall i watch it it's bloody long i was like you know what i will and i watched it went ah yeah i do still love it i do think that it can be very much you either think it's really really boring and you know just get to the point get there or it is just pretty much like a masterpiece hello film fans welcome to flix watcher podcast our guests today are elaine hello mark hello and as always kobe hiya and we're here to talk about michael mann's heat Thank you, as always, to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello, everyone. Joining Flix Watcher today, we have Elaine and Mark. Over to you, please, Mark, to say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Well, myself and my good wife, Elaine, are collectively the Honeymoon Period podcast. We've been going for about three years now and we review TV and film, just basically stuff that we've been watching recently this week, the new release on telly. And also we look at stuff that the other person hasn't seen and we think each other would like or sometimes hate. You what you on purpose introduce things that they might hate to see what... Yeah, I, don't, I, I mean, I made Elaine watch Crank and that went very badly. <laughs> and I made him watch Jaws 3D. <laughs> I've heard no good things about Jaws 3D. <laughs> We've had Crank on recently, if you want to have a listen back to that one. And uh, yeah, it was quite a mixed, mixed reaction. <laughs> I thought Kobe would like it more than he did. I was surprised. <laughs> you didn't hate it though. No, I just, you know, when you think, you know, when there's reasons why you haven't watched the film... <laughs> <laughs> those reasons were all true. I was like, yeah, it's kind of what I thought it was going to be. It's like in the top 25% of films, maybe I should watch. There's always something above it, but there's no, no one in the bottom. So it had to be a specific reason, such as this podcast, which is why I have this podcast, that I'd uh, watch it. But yeah, we're talking today about the film Heat. We're going to Heat a bit quick because there's a lot to talk about here. We're talking today about Heat, which is your choice of length. Can you tell us first of all why you chose it and give us a synopsis if you can do in 60 seconds or less? Well, no, you've got 60 seconds or less. There's no more time there that's all you've got you haven't got two hours and 50 minutes unfortunately (laughs) oh it's such a shame because I might need it so I want you to imagine 1996 and I want you to imagine 15 year old Elaine who is going to the Warner Brothers multiplex in Newcastle and the Warner Brothers multiplex was opened in 1989 by Kylie Minogue and the cast of teen Newcastle based drama Biker Grove if it wasn't Biker Grove I would have been very very disappointed there (laughs) I know (laughs) it's very very on brand isn't it for Newcastle yeah. So this blue building arrives in the middle of Newcastle. There's there's glass and it's blue and it's got Warner Brothers on it. And that's where me and my friends go to Deep Pan Pizza, which is obviously next door, and to the cinema. And we go and see films like Batman Forever and Chris O'Donnell and Val Kilmer. And it's all very exciting. And then Elaine goes off. I don't know why I'm talking about myself in the third person, but anyway, I go off to 
the Warner Brothers multiplex to see this film called Heat. And I don't really know anything about Heat. I don't know it's going to be that long. And I don't really know anything about Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. So off I go to see Heat by myself. And then I go again. And then I go again. Oh, wow. And then I get the poster. And then I get the US import of the CD soundtrack from HMV. And then I get the video. And then eventually I get the Blu-ray and the DVD and all of that. And it becomes my favourite film of all time, kind of, because sometimes Mary Poppins comes in there as well. Mary Poppins is also very long, so <laughs> unnecessarily long. There's a theme. Yeah. I mean, Shout Out also had the poster. They're just a bastard to keep on the wall. Like, it'd fall down in the night and you'd wake up and like Robert De Niro would be on your face. Whoa. I don't have that experience. <laughs> Robert De Niro no. on my face. You've never been a teenage girl in the 90s, <laughs> So, I mean, already I'm predicting, I've got high predictive scores for you there, Elaine. I'm going to get the time round. Let's give you 60 seconds. Okay. Here we go. Next time you'll have to do a synopsis. Three, two, one, go. When a heist takes an unexpected turn, highly intelligent career criminal Neil McCauley, played by Robert De Niro, finds himself hunted and admired by the Los Angeles Police Department's ferocious lieutenant Vincent Hanna Al Pacino. Backed up by their fiercely loyal crews like Neil's right-hand man, Chris Shaherlis, played by Val Kilmer, and Vincent's ever-reliable, calm Sergeant Drucker, played by McKilty Williamson, the two men embark on an intense game of cat and mouse. I hope you're going to say cat and mouse. <laughs> very good yeah well I'm going to sit with yourself Elaine because first of all at 15 going to the cinema by yourself is a big tall order and then going repeatedly to see it as well this is, this is the kind of thing I do now in my 40s and happily but what inspired you to do that in the first place many times if I say to someone I'm going by the, to the cinema by myself the person I'm telling me looks at me like I've lost my mind but I think some of the best times going to the cinema by yourself uh, but yeah totally t- yeah. tell us give some background to that why do you get by yourself? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm someone who has sensory issues. So I'm autistic and I need a lot of calm and I need quiet. And going to the cinema by myself means that I can pick wherever I want to sit. Because if you go with other people, they like they almost let you do that dance where you're like, well, where should we sit? And all of that sort of thing really drives me mad. So I can go. And also, if someone really annoying is sits next to me, I can just get up and move somewhere else where I don't have that social thing of like, say, like if Mark's next to me, he's absolutely fine. He's not worried at all. And I'm he can completely ignore. Yeah, I know. Sometimes he does come with me. But yeah, it's a real sensory thing for me. And there is a sense of being in that dark room by myself watching the big screen, whatever it is, even if it's a terrible film. I just find that really, really calming. So I probably, probably without knowing it, because I'm late diagnosed, probably without knowing it, age 15, that's what I was seeking. And I think that's a lot, got a lot to do with it. Fair enough. And why did you go multiple times in the cinema to see Heat? Well, you know, I didn't go multiple times to see other films. Heat was a a particular one. And I've Mm. spent many, many years trying to work out what it was because it's an unusual pick for a 15-year-old girl that really doesn't know much about, you know, there's a lot of toxic masculinity in there. I didn't even know that was a phrase when I was 15. There's a lot of violence. There are some images. There's a, a particular image that Vincent Hanna gives to his wife, Justine, when he has been called away to another murder and she is upset about it because he's never there and he gives her this very particular image involving a microwave that I've never forgotten and those sorts of things actually are really quite quite tough at the time and yet I found myself going back and feeling those feelings and I think one of the main things about the film for me is 
it draws me into a world that I know nothing about. I don't know LA. I don't know these people. I'm not part of a criminal gang and I'm not in the LAPD. And yet when I watch Heat, I am absolutely in that world. It's sort of, it reminds me of the time that I saw Nolan's Inception, where it was just something so different and so immersive. I felt like a bit of my DNA had changed and that's what Heat makes me feel. It's a real visceral feeling. Mark, your thoughts? I also went to see this at the cinema, a different cinema to Elaine, um, back when I was 15. And at the time, it did not work for me. And I think I was clearly less emotionally mature than Elaine was at 15, because I think I was probably looking for something that was a lot more tell, don't show. Whereas this is, I think this is one of the ultimate show, don't tell films. I wanted... Vincent Hanna to be shown in a police station to introduce us with probably a hat on to show that he's a policeman and a badge and a gun on his desk and maybe a box of donuts if they're going to be really, really stereotypical. And I wanted like people to explain to me via voice what they were doing, but I was just bored. I was, I remember coming out going, and all of my friends said, oh, that was brilliant. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it was. Nah, nah, I, I was completely in denial and lying. I then saw this a few years later and quite enjoyed it. I was watching it with my dad. I think they rented a, a holiday cottage in Northumberland and we watched it on telly when I was staying with them for a bit when they were on holiday. And I thought, okay, there's more to this than I thought. But it was this watch which really, really turned me on to this film. Okay. It's probably the third time I've seen it. And this is the time where I'm like, yeah, this is this is genius. And I can see, I understand what Elaine's been nagging on at me about for the last <laughs> 10 years. Helen, what myself in heat? Trying to remember, I don't think we had a cinema at this time. So I definitely remember seeing it and seeing it repeatedly when I first saw it. And likewise, was just super obsessed, like watched it in kind of like my De Niro phase when I was just trying to watch all his films. And there was just something about this, which I'd never, ever seen before. And the way it's filmed and the score and the pacing and all of the acting is just great. And it is really weird because as I've kind of got older, I've watched it and gone, this film's like terrible for women. Like they're only there as like nutcases or as whores or to, to be killed. Like, and then I was like, you know what? It's just Michael Mann. And then as obviously like time's gone on, I'm like, no wonder this is one of Nolan's like favourite films ever because without this, The Dark Knight would not be as good as it is because it's all over that. And yeah, I actually watched it probably like the end of last year and I was a bit like, oh, I kind of didn't really gel with it. And then when you picked it again, I was like, shall I watch it? It's bloody long. I was like, you know what, I will. And I watched it and went, ah, yeah, I do still love it. I do think that can be very much you either think it's really really boring and you know just get to the point get there or it is just pretty much like a masterpiece and I just think we've not even talked about it but the whole thing about when it came out was that it was like De Niro and Pacino in a film together and they're actually going to be in a scene and it takes a long time to get there but when it gets there it's just like magic on screen like a lot of it was improvised and they're just like so into their characters it's just and I love the fact that like he's called Neil because like Neil the big old gangster But yeah, cast's great, score's great, it looks amazing, it's really, really cold, it's really bleak and it's really harsh, but 
I just really... And then it's really funny as well. I forgot like the bit with, with Pacino where he's like ultimate cocaine Pacino <laughs> yeah. and he does the like the who, who, you fucking hell, <laughs> which is like so funny. And the, because she's got a great ass and it's just like, yeah, this is kind of funny as well. So yeah, it's just one of those films that you'll find people either like really, really love it or they're just like, oh, no. Yeah, for me, I at 15, I was like, I could kind of see the buzz of why De Niro and Pacino were in the same film together. And then I watched it. I was like, oh, it takes a while to get to them hanging out together. And then there's no, like, I don't know what I expected, but I didn't expect them just to be having a, a cup of coffee or a chat <laughs> in, a, in a restaurant. So my 15-year-old me was like, well, this is, I mean, it's got a cool shootout. As you know, as you do at 15, you think there's some cool fighty bits. But after that, but in, in, in subsequent watches, it's like, oh, uh, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. And on this one, it was the it was the, it was the final kind of penny drop moment because I hadn't seen it for like two decades, I don't think. But me and my friends from university used to do the, she's got a great ass all the time. <laughs> and, and also in the Me Too kind of frame of mind, I don't think I'll do that again mm. to people because that's not very nice. <laughs> but the, so we used to do that all the time and I used to love that scene. And it, this time I was like, oh, he does it to Hank Azaria. I was like, I just had no idea who was in this film. It's like, it's like crazy. But the way it's shot is, is fantastic. And not, I'm not even talking about the... I think the fight scenes are kind of like the least interesting parts of the film. Sometimes when there's just two people in the shadows and the, the camera's going back and forth between them and one, one, like only half their face is lit, it just looks so beautiful. And we've had collateral on here. And Michael Mann shoots films really... And I was looking through his filmography. I don't really like many of his films that much, but I think he always shoots it, shoots them really interestingly. And this is definitely one of them. So there's, there's a lot to take away from it. I think you need a film of this length to kind of get in there a bit. And maybe it could have been a bit tighter, but I think you just have to know what you're going in for when you press play on it, really. And let it kind of wash over you, let it kind of envelop you. Ideally, see it on a big screen, bigger screen as possible. So I think it's going to attract away from me. But it was... It was electric. It was great seeing Pacino and De Niro just together. And the other film we had with those two guys on is is The Irishman, which we had on here recently. This is a better film. Yes. <laughs> this is a better yeah. film. Yeah. And the funny thing is, I find the Pacino-De Niro scene the least interesting of the whole thing. And I don't know whether that's just my thing for if someone says something's really really good and it's very exciting and everyone's talking about it I instantly take against it it's a character trait that I'm not particularly proud of but it does happen so I don't know whether it was I'll just tell built you if I like so this much. one <laughs> yeah, no, I was like it's just been built up so much for me yes I love Neil McCauley yes I love Vincent Hanna like they're on different sides of the professions and ones that you know meant to be a goodie man but although they're complex when I watch this again, they're not really where I'm looking. I'm looking at the people like Donald Breeson, who is the guy who is the grill man who gets mm. pulled in to be the driver at the end. And Senator Palmer. Yes, 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 yes. Absolutely. He kept shouting that at me the whole time <laughs> we were watching it. It's 24. You know, that he's, he's not on very long and he's girlfriend Lillian as well I think she only has two small scenes and one she's not even talking which might go back to Helen's point about the women in the film but you know you can see that he's been in prison he's trying to go straight and yet he has this racist evil guy like really trying to bring him down and put him in his split you know this and so of course why would he you know when Neil goes to him and says you know yes or no and answer now 
And he just goes, fuck it, right? I'm, I mean, of course he's going to do that because that's the system has just led him to that point. So just in those really small scenes, you can you can see that that build up. I mean, even people like Danny Trejo, who gets a very small small part. Well, Danny Trejo even in the credits. <laughs> yeah. Danny Trejo is past the click past top cast on mm. IMDb. So which I think, as you say, it's a small part. I think he's got a fair amount on this. Yeah. But compared to the other people in Neil's gang and one of my criticisms of the film is that we don't really get to see the same amount in Vincent's gang so there's Ted Levine there's Mikhail T. Williamson there's Wes Studi in his gang but we don't really get to see as much of them as we do with Val Kilmer and Tom Sizemore but even Danny Trejo he he gets a a smaller part of that guy he just kind of like shrugs a few bit and says yeah I'm in and we don't really get to know more about him apart from his love for his beautiful Anna who does not make it out of the end of the film in retrospect De Niro and Pacino on screen how I don't know how big of a thing is that because it is weird that they haven't been on screen together it was this the first time been on screen together ever but they've been in the same obviously been Godfather 2 together Godfather just, 2 is the only yeah. other time yeah yeah which is kind of crazy isn't it yeah, and it it was such a big deal. I can't think of like a modern pair of actors which would be that big a deal. I think when Tom Hanks and Julia Roberts did that film that they did together, which I can't remember the name of, that kind of feels like it might be the equivalent. But it's, but uh, I but they're always ostensibly gangsters in the in the mafia. Well, I don't want to, don't want to super typecast, but it tends to be like that kind of film, doesn't it? So ostensibly they'd be going for the same roles against each other all the time. So naturally one would win out. But you just think, given the whole careers, someone before might have said, do you guys want to be in the same film together? <laughs> we'll, we'll work out something. But that's, again, it's just the overriding thing I remember from this film. It's like, they're in the same film together. They're, they have a scene together. I'm like, why is this, why is this a thing? But yeah, I, the dialogue here is, is, I think it's better than the shootout scene, but the shootout scene is still great. Helen, where's this rank for you in your, in your De Niro rankings? You don't need to give a specific, but is it yeah, high, I think medium, it's or like, low? Oh, well, it's low. I mean, like, you may be, like, top kind of, like, five. I mean, like, the the whole cast is, like, every time I watch it, I remember there's different people in it. Natalie Portman's in it. Yeah, in a yeah. really, really early role. Henry Rollins is in it. I thought it was Henry Rollins. Yeah, I meant to check that. Yeah. William Fitchner, who is also in, in The Dark Knight. And, and that whole kind of storyline as well is what unravels everything for it, that sideline to it is what brings everyone down and ends up basically with everyone getting shot. And the like the line where he says he's talking to an empty telephone because there's a dead fucker on the yeah. line, it's like, that's when it's like, shit is going to go down. <laughs> and it's Neil's obsession to, to finish it off, to get that guy that stops him from getting out. Because, you know, he's nearly there. You're watching it and you're like, oh, he's going to make it. They're going to make it. And like, he goes into the building and you're like, shit, walk on a bit fine. He's coming out and you're like, yes. And then you see Pacino and you're like, oh, he's fucked that one, hasn't he? It's not going to end well. And then you're like, but what's going to happen? And then there's that great plane shot with the, the lighting and you're all like, oh, great. <laughs> well, is there anything else you want to say before we head to the school? Much better than I described it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like the, um, yeah, yeah the just... like insightful. <laughs> Let's get to the sports.
I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have included fellow Stripped Media family members Martin and Sam from Song by Song, and Kobe from Flixwatcher, and Dave from The Wire Stripped. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast, or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. Welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. All of the scores are out of five. You can have decimal places if you wish. And we will start with you, please, Elaine, with your recommendability. So given that I've talked about my great deep love for heat, <laughs> I feel a bit wrong saying that my recommendability is a four. Because I, I think this is quite a hard film to recommend at times because of the level of violence in it and because of the imagery that comes across, not even not in what you see, but sometimes what you don't see that there's a lot of violence against women and violence against many other people you know just it's just violent so for me I think it would be quite difficult for me to recommend it to let's say one of our older family members for example or I mean I was about to say or a younger person but I went to see this when I was 15 but yeah I'm thinking more sort of like older family members I wouldn't necessarily say this is something to stick on on a on a Saturday afternoon. Mark? Well, I'm quite surprised that I'm giving this a 4.5. Yeah, I just think this is a brilliant film, masterfully done. And I'm glad that I've finally watched this enough (laughs) times for me to understand that. Yeah. Helen? This this has been like a really like, what number can I give it? Because it is a masterpiece. I think we're we're all kind of in agreement with that. But then there are some things that would be off putting. But then... I would probably still recommend it, even though I know they might not like it, just because I want to give it a really high score. (laughs) So I'm going to give it a 4.8. Oh, wow. And that that little bit. (laughs) I thought you were going to go lower with that that build up there. (laughs) I can't give it a full five because I think that, I think if, if I would say that if you, like Christopher Nolan films Mm. then you will probably like this and if you don't like Christopher Nolan films then you probably won't like this and if you don't like films that are over two hours then you probably won't like this but otherwise just going quickly through Michael Mann's filmography Manhunter Last of Mohicans Heat The Insider Ali Collateral Miami Vice Public Enemies Black Hat and Ferrari there's some there's some stinkers in there but then there's obviously I'm not a fan of public enemies yeah no, that, well that's that's the stinker I'm talking about and I'm not seeing Miami Vice because everyone said it was, it was crap I think you need to revisit that because I, I thought it was a bit iffy but then I, I think there's a bit of revisionism going on because of how amazing Colin Farrell is like Manhunter is up there with like one of my favourite Michael Mann films that was the other one that I saw that was like whoa this is I, good. See, that just didn't, it just didn't gel with me at all. Cause I, I, as much as I love Brian Cox now, and I know you guys have talked about success on your podcast, him as Hannibal Lecter just didn't really gel with me. And I think it's because I'd seen Sir Anthony Hopkins' interpretation first, and I felt that was more menacing in a way. But yeah, I know a lot of people completely love the film, but he's got a new film out called Ferrari, which is due out this year. Got Adam Driver in it. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Guess he's going to be bucking that one. <laughs> And Ali, I remember being, I've only watched that once and I remember enjoying it at the time. And I remember that being quite striking in how it was shot in places as well. So he's got a decent look. He's got a good look on him. Maybe it's just Public Enemies, which is the one that's kind of making me take him down a peg or two. But I'm, for this film, I'm going for four. <laughs> Pete Beam score, Elaine. 
I've gone for 3.9, which I feel is low, but <laughs> it is a long film and it does take a lot out of you, I think. I think it's one of those that, that really takes you through the crime epic mm -hmm. and epic, you know, is the, is the word. So I think it's not something that I could stick on very often. It's something that I have to just sit and savour, I think. So 3.9 for me. Mark? I'm going 3.5. The length is a problem for me. I've got a mental barrier with anything over two and a half hours in that it's going up against, <laughs> it's going up against my better will. <laughs> but clearly, like I said, it's the third time I've seen it and I've got more out of this this time than I did the last time. So clearly it's a film that benefits from repeat viewing, for me anyway. Helen? I'm going to give this a four. Before I watched it for this. I was a bit reluctant about rewatching it, having seen it so recently. But then I rewatched it. I really enjoyed rewatching it, and the time was like less of a, a thing for it. And I just really, really got into it. And if it was on at the Prince Charles next week, I think I would probably go and see it to, to, just because to see it on the big screen. But yeah, I four, and that's like n not taken into account. It's like the plus times I'd seen it when I was a teen. I'm going to go for three. I'm not sure how often I want to watch it again, but I definitely will do again. And I would love to... So when did this come out? 1995. So in two years' time, it'll be the 30th anniversary of it. And if they do a reissue at the cinema, I think that'd be a great opportunity. I think I'll definitely head down to that. As long as they didn't do like a Terminator 2 thing where it's just literally available on the one day on the reissue in the cinema, which is the most nonsense and most disappointing thing ever. Still need to see on the big screen. But yeah, I would definitely, if they do reissue and they're showing the cinema, then I, I would head down to see it. I think that would be the perfect kind of thing for me. Small screen score, Elaine. 2.6. <laughs> so you it it needs to be on the big screen. It just, it, and it's fine. It's fine. Maybe 2.6 is a bit low. Our television's a bit broken at the moment, so that might not help. We've got a, a lovely purple patch in the middle of it, but <laughs> with the blue of Michael Mann's heat, it didn't really seem to matter too much. But yeah, I did, the whole time I was sitting there going, I just want to be in a big screen in the dark <laughs> by myself. And I, I wasn't. <laughs> Mark? Yeah, I'm going to go for a two. I think this needs to be seen on a big screen and it's a, a, a like everyone else here, if there is a cinema re-release or our local cinemas sort of showing it on a re-watch retro showing, I will be there with bells on. Although it might be that we need to get a babysitter because I suspect you'll be the same. So, uh, Helen. You have to tag team it. I'm going to go three for the same reasons. Like I have really enjoyed it every time that I've watched it at home. I'm trying to like visualise the cinema ticket and it's not formulating in my memory. So don't think I've seen it at the cinema. So yeah, I, I would love to. So three? Yeah. Yeah, I think the way it shot is, is, is really nice. And I think the, even the action scenes would be, not even the action scenes, of course the action scenes will have an extra particular resonance on the bigger screen. 2.5, straight down the middle. Engagement score, Elaine? It's a five for me. I just can't think of anything. I couldn't even find the 4.8 or 4.9. I just had to go bang on five. Whenever this comes on, and it's sometimes it's, it's quite late at night that heat will come on on one of the like terrestrial channels on movie channels and things and wherever it is at that point I just even though I want to do the washing up and sort out other things I just find myself watching it and I think I'll just watch another scene I'll just watch another scene and then I'm at the end at the airport with the lights flashing and the tragic ending and the men holding hands and I'm crying and the washing up doesn't get done washing up can wait mm -hmm. Mark 
I'm going to go 3.8. There was a loud sigh when I said two nights ago when I started watching it, like, can we just leave it here and finish it the next night? And there was a, yeah, there was daggers being looked <laughs> across the room from me. I had to go do the washing up after that, funnily enough. It's a length for me. It's, I think this is the film that benefits probably from watching in one go, but I... I, I needed to split this up just just for the length of time and the amount of <laughs> when we started watching it was probably a little bit too late. Yeah, and yeah. So what, two point eight was that three point eight. Three point eight, Helen. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with a five for, with Elaine on this because watching it this time there was other bits I was like, oh, that makes sense now. I'd kind of <laughs> missed that before or not kind of connected it or kind of like maybe had forgotten it a little bit. And it, everything just seemed to work this time. And I was watching it on my own as well, which I think made quite a big difference. And I was just like so into it. And I think if you do kind of pause it and do other stuff and then come back to it, then you kind of lose some of that, the, the build up and the kind of tension and the the way that it's it's been designed to progress at those kind of speeds. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for five. Yeah, I think I, I did this in multiple sittings. I just didn't have the time and was tired. <laughs> just tired when every time I started playing it. So I think it's one of those, like, like Mark was saying, ideally you want it to press play, darken room all the way through. But, you know, it just, every time I press pause, I was like, oh, I'm just, I just need to stop because I'm tired, but I can't wait to get back to it. I'm going to give it 4.5 and that gives us an overall score of 3.75625 and it's the small screen score which has let it down everyone wants yeah. to see the big yeah. screen which is fair enough and we, we've had very we've had quite a few high scoring recommendability scoring films but yes yeah, the small screen score because as much as we love Netflix the cinema still wins out in this podcast it seems mainly mm-hmm. which is so, good yeah. you know yeah. I think that's a recommendation over anything of course if you've never seen it, like it is there, but you know, if you could go around to your friend's house with the biggest TV and the best sound system, then hit them up. Okay. Just wait Don't watch it on your laptop or anything TV. like that. Don't do that. <laughs> no, no. Or like people watching it on their phone. Oh, I just couldn't bear it. <laughs> it would make Michael Mann cry, I feel. <laughs> okay, should we head to Twitter? Everyone who's listening to this podcast, do find us online on Twitter. We are at Pod. Because we do talk about stuff on Netflix and films in general every now and again, but also before we record, there's an opportunity to give your input for a free shout out. <laughs> I don't know what that free shout out means. And look out for a tweet saying something similar to We're reviewing Heat with Elaine and Mark at the Honeymoon Pod. Have you seen it? Tell us your thoughts and the score out of five stars. We had a couple of responses for Heat. I, I, I put it together with Al Pacino. She's got a great ass gif. Um, Elaine, do you want to take one of the two comments here? I'll take Liam H. Dempsey. Liam says, simply a masterpiece, the defining cops and robbers motion picture. De Niro is understated brilliance while Pacino goes as beautifully big as possible. Man is deeply embedded in these characters and their motivations and crafts the greatest botched heist set piece of all time. Five stars. Mark. And John Loftus says, the movie I should have picked is perfect, even if I didn't think that when I came out the cinema all those years ago. Everyone is at the top of their game, the actors, but especially man. It's gorgeously shot and the soundtrack is mesmerising. And there's five stars, but they are the stars with also the extra shiny bits around them, which I think is probably about seven and a half in there. So yeah, I need to queue up the soundtrack to this, it seems. I've got a bit of work to do tomorrow and I do like a film score soundtrack to help me 
through that. So I will, I'll play and, you know, get back to you guys. It's a beautiful instrumental soundtrack. Uh, it's quite hardcore at times. There are some things that are a bit more jazz fusion, but the Moby track at the end that goes on for many, many minutes, I play that quite a lot when I'm trying to write. And and it's it's gorgeous to just sort of let that wash over you. Well, like one of my favourite soundtracks to, to actually work to is the Social Network one. And that's oh, quite, yes, you may as well, yes. and that's quite jagged actually. It's not, it's not a soothing one, mm-hmm. but it, it kind of just gets my head in the, in the right zone sometimes to just like bosh the stuff out. So it sounds like this could potentially be one of those to listen to as well. But yeah, Elaine, Mark, tell us where we can find you online. Give us an MV podcast again and say thank you to everyone who's listening. So we are the Honeymoon Period Podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at the Honeymoon Pod. And you can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. That, that's what everyone says, isn't it? Wherever you listen to your the pods. The same place you listen to this one, go there. Yeah. You know, pause. As soon as you finish listening to this one, type in the 100 period pod. And you find Mark and Elaine. And, you know, subscribe. Listen to as many episodes as you can right now. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys, for listening. Thank you very much, Mark and Elaine. It's been a pleasure to talk about heat. And we'll see you soon. Bye. Thanks for coming on. Bye. 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 enjoyed this episode of flicks watcher podcast why not leave us a five-star review on itunes you can also follow us at flicks watcher pod on twitter and we're at flicks watcher on instagram thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty mighty tunes and rockwood audio's editing skills if you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this get in touch with rockwood r-o-k-k wood audio tell them flicks watcher sent you just heard a stripped media production.